Hi, everyone. I'm here uh, with the Novel Cohorts podcast, and I'm speaking with Melissa Handel and Christopher Shute. Um, we're here to talk about a really exciting project, which is the N3C Consortia, and it's focused on COVID-19 research, which is a very hot topic these days um, for obvious reasons. Um, so I just want to get started and, and maybe ask Melissa and Chris to give a brief background on themselves, and then we can get into discussing some of the opportunities for doing research working with this group. Uh, Melissa? Sure. Thanks so much, Dan. Uh, it's really nice to be here. So I'm the director of the Center for Data to Health, which is a consortial program that aims to coordinate the Centers for Translational Science um, across the U.S., which is a consortium that's made up of 60 different clinical institutions. And our, our goal in the Center for Data to Health um, is to help coordinate um, uh, collaborations and sharing of resources and technologies for informatics uh, in the clinical and translational Space. And um, so I'm very excited to be here today and talk to you about the work that we've been doing as a consortium uh, to combat the pandemic and, and bring people and their data together to help uh, reveal new discoveries and new strategies for treatments to help reduce the impact and severity uh, of COVID-19. Thank you, Chris. And uh, I'm uh, Chris Shute. I'm Chief Research Information Officer at Johns Hopkins, a, an internist, epidemiologist, and informatics person by training and background. Uh, I'm also uh, co-lead with Melissa of the CD2H uh, and the uh, N3C, uh, and also happy to be here. Great. Um, Melissa, could you tell us a bit about the N3C, you know, how it came about, what's different about it, um, some of what you've already accomplished? So the National COVID Cohort Collaborative is exactly that. Um, it's an effort to try to create a national resource um, that is comprised of patient information for many different clinical resources. Um, the goal is to create it um, in a collaborative partnership model. The, the community um, is very large. We have over a thousand members in just a few months. Um, there were almost 200 authors on our first manuscript. Um, and so a very large number of people have been working very hard together. Uh, so that's the collaborative part of the uh, N3C. Um, what, what makes it um, really unique in particular is the fact that we're really, so we really are, are partnered also with, um, and Chris can speak more to this in, in a few minutes, that's his area of expertise, partnered with the different clinical data model communities, the research um, sharing networks that, that really have done a lot to help institutions get their data into a common model, and there are multiple common models. Um, and so the goal of the N3C is to harmonize those models and get all of the data into one model, not just for distributed querying like the um, common data model research networks do, but actually all in one location with all the data in one secure enclave. So. Um, really um, providing the foundation for machine learning and statistics um, over a very large data set um, that no one would really have access to otherwise. So it's very complementary and synergistic and built upon the prior work done by those common data models. So that, that makes it very different. The other thing that's very different about it is the broad access. We've been able to create a regulatory structure that in combination with the um, fairly um, significant degree of security and security um, validation and compliance um, 
to allow a, a broad diversity of users. So um, commercial entities, citizen scientists, students, um, as well as traditional researchers can all request access to different tiers of data within the system. And so we believe that this broad access um, will bring together experts in machine learning and statistics that might not normally work on sensitive clinical data uh, together with experts in sensitive clinical data or clinical domains and clinicians. And so really trying to um, you know, embrace the philosophy of it takes a village uh, to bring, you know, to create an environment where people can really work together across different disciplinary boundaries and, and work on these data together. So, so how much data and what kind of data has is, is already been pulled into this initiative and what do you expect coming up in the next few months? Well, we, we already have 57 organizations that have signed the data transfer agreement. Uh, so most of the major academic medical centers in the United States are participating, uh, 20 of which have actually physically deposited the data. The rest are in various stages of regulatory review. At present, we have close to half a million persons uh, in the database, and we anticipate uh, over time to have uh, probably on the order of a million cases of COVID uh, with other uh, matched controls uh, across this community um, as we move forward. So we're, we're early in the process. Uh, we literally opened for business uh, yesterday. Um, so it, I, I think even this early, we, we've only been in existence for four and a half months. So in this four and a half months, I think we've accomplished about as much as we can, uh, but the trajectory is clearly very positive, and we anticipate this to be, frankly, the largest uh, collection of COVID uh, cases in the world. Uh, with associated electronic medical record data going back two years for each person uh, in the repository. And, and, and Chris, what kind of research are you seeing, at least early requests for access or at least discussions for using the data today? Yeah, that runs the spectrum. I mean, the fun part is we've established self-organizing clinical uh, domain task teams uh, that include acute kidney injury, critical care, diabetes, uh, uh, social determinants of health. There are about 20 of them at present. Uh, and these are communities that have chosen to rally together, or these usually comprise scores of persons, an admixture of clinicians, uh, data scientists, uh, statisticians, uh, informatics people, uh, working together to address the subtleties of the specific domains as they're associated with COVID uh, as we move forward. What's happening in parallel and is really quite gratifying uh, is the commitment of many organizations and persons and many members of these teams to collaborate on the common data cleaning and, and organization of the information so that it can support uh, these uh, focused analytics in an effective way. Uh, for example, uh, you know, we have uh, uh, in, in with LOINC codes and other associated information about laboratory tests, uh, we probably have a score or more of serum creatinine measures when a clinician really wants to know is the creatinine elevated or not. So harmonizing these kinds of elements becomes the initial spade work uh, that we're doing. And I'm, I'm pleased to say that we have uh, literally hundreds of people contributing to the process of these data cleanups organized through the N3C mechanism and process. And in terms of, of, of commercial organizations and pharma companies participating, 
many of these people contributing to the state of cleanup are coming from the Odyssey community uh, and our employees of, of pharma organizations. Uh, they recognize the importance of contributing to this common work. Uh, and the philosophy of N3C is that we are a community that every this is pre-competitive uh, work, if you will, uh, that all boats rise higher if we all have higher quality data to do our specific analytics. And all the data that is uh, so normalized and harmonized remains open, accessible to all investigators. So this is building the common wheel. And even in the domain task teams, uh, you know, pediatrics, pharmacoepidemiology, other uh, foci of, of domain intent groups, we have very large numbers of people rallying together. We're striving to have maybe a handful of papers in each domain with scores of authors that would be uh, deep, thoughtful, uh, uh, high, highly impactful uh, publications rather than a thousand publications done by one or two people uh, outside of team context. We're not prohibiting uh, independent research, but all the data remains open and viewable by everybody else. So it, it sort of it lends itself to team engagement and participation, which we're, we're persuaded and we're already seeing evidence will lead to better science. And so, Chris, I know you, you and Milster are both very involved in the governance. What's the process for uh, life sciences, med device, any commercial organization to, to do research? with N3C? Melissa? So, so the process is basically the same for everyone. Um, you know, we, we really wanted to kind of level the playing field and, and have everyone be welcome. So um, the, we have three different tiers of data. We have um, uh, synthetic data that's still being validated, but will hopefully be broadly accessible. Um, we have um, de-identified data um, that um, you can request access to. And then we're justified, uh, which would require um, use of the central IRB, which is managed uh, through Johns Hopkins, through Chris, um, although you can also have a local one if you prefer for an institution or an organization. And then if you need access to the limited data set, which has um, geocodes and um, dates of service, um, which, of course, are, are really relevant for um for a pandemic uh, analytics, um, you would request access to that limited data set with a project-specific um, IRB. And so these rules apply to anyone who is participating, whether you're a commercial entity or citizen scientist or, or at an institution. Um, the organization that you're affiliated with would sign a data use agreement um, that would stipulate that you, uh, all investigators making requests would attest to a set of common principles. The um, data user code of conduct, which says things like you will not take screenshots or download data. Um, there's no data egress allowed. Um, there is a, um, a, a publication and attribution policy. There's community guiding principles for behavior and, and collaboration best practices. Um, and so all of these things are in place for, for all parties, whichever tier you, you um, request. If you do request the um, de-identified or limited data set, you do need to have human subjects training um, documented. Um, and all users of the system also have to take security training so they understand the nature um, of the sensitivity 
of these data. So, so the, the, the balancing act here is that everyone can have access, um, but there's some hoops to jump through in order to get that access. And those hoops are trying to best balance regulatory control and access to these sensitive data um, with security um, and compliance to the security requirements. So it's, it's really a unique um, opportunity to provide this kind of broad pre-competitive access um, but but the hoops are that each individual person who participates does have to make sure they have the proper training and attest to the, the rules of the road, so to speak. And I think a lot of people are curious what kind of challenges you've already overcome to try and get here. What have been the, the roadblocks um, and how do you solve them? Because I know it's been hard for any group to do something like this in the past. Yes, how do we count the ways? Um, I, I think we're all parties who, who participated in this have been enormously gratified by the enthusiasm, the energy, the positive attitude. Uh, we've had only a handful of instances where, where people have raised serious uh, uh, barriers or, or questions. I think the attitude on the part of, of the legal teams that have participated in this, uh, the administrators providing uh, administrative review and approvals, uh, obviously, the scientists have not been, you know, what, what's the problem with this, but have been much more aligned to how do we make this work? Uh, because this is important work. Uh, this is an important problem. Uh, we're, we're trying to, you can contrast this uh, with certain databases that uh, contributed to the Lancet articles and the New England Journal articles that had to be withdrawn because of a lack of data provenance and a lack of openness, uh, we see the N3C process as the counterpoint to that, those uh, episodes where we've embraced transparency, we've embraced reproducibility, we've embraced openness, uh, so that any individual should be able to reproduce the analysis of another party or another group, uh, assuming they've gone through the administrative and regulatory approvals to get access to that data. Everything is completely transparent. Uh, and given that kind of philosophy, uh, the barriers have, have fallen away. Um, we, we did have a little kerfuffle just before opening about the definition of safe harbor, uh, but we actually went to uh, HHS Council uh, and the Office of Civil Rights and, and had a determination that we were in full compliance uh, with the legal expectations of safe harbor de-identification. That was our most serious hurdle. But otherwise, I, I, I think it's been a celebration of how do we do it uh, rather than overcoming obstacles. Um, and so our group, uh, you know, GradKill is definitely really interested in how to bring together the, the commercial teams um, from life sciences companies and others. What are you hoping and imagining might come about if we, you know, beyond the work to do curation with sort of the Odyssey working group, but more on the research side, um, can come about from, from bringing in these groups? You know, do you have thoughts of how they can really move the project forward, in particular these commercial organizations? So I guess um, there's lots of different ideas, but you know some of the ones that we've been you know discussing thus far is you know for especially for pharma companies where they have you know drug development in really targeted areas that making sure that the um, variable definitions that are relevant to those particular um, domains are well curated and that they can actually you know use this data to help inform whether or not there are any um, confounding factors or influences of, of drugs um, either ones that they themselves produce or ones that are more generally um, in their targeted um, domain 
um, you know, so I feel like uh, it, it could actually help the, the pharma companies better understand the effects of their drugs in a COVID population. Um, and then also that might lead to, you know, better care recommendations for either being on those drugs or using them in certain ways that might um, reduce the overall impacts of, of COVID. As we know, there are so many systems involved in the response to COVID um, in the body that, you know, um, it's, not, it's not going to be any surprise that there are many drugs that influence the, those trajectories in those tissues. And so I think the pharma companies with their really deep preclinical data that they have in their in their own hands um, in combination with being able to evaluate um, uh, the impacts of their drugs or related drugs um, in, in this cohort are going to be really foundational for understanding their own trajectories for, for their own uh, drug development. And, and, and I, I would add that the philosophy of N3C in terms of engaging the broader scientific community spans not just the academics, but, but also we recognize and everybody recognizes that there is enormous scientific talent uh, in commercial organizations, be they IT companies, be they pharma companies, be they other entities. And uh, the aspiration of N3C is to bring together all of this talent across academia, across industry, uh, even citizen scientists where, where relevant, uh, to maximize the benefit and, and learning that we can achieve from this precious resource. Our, our ask, ask is that the data be treated respectfully, uh, that the people adhere to the code of conduct, that people uh, recognize that this is a collaborative environment um, and that it is open and transparent and that proprietary analytics are are not why we established uh, this environment. But as uh, participants in industry can partner um, as individuals, as organizations and in roles that make sense uh, to one, address the questions that are of interest to those organizations. That's, that's obvious uh, to all, but do so in a way that would contribute uh, either variables or elements or content or understanding or analytic pathways uh, that could be shared by everybody uh, and vice versa, uh, that the commercial organizations are welcome. Uh, to leverage the prior work, the previous work, the established work on variables, elements, algorithms that have been deposited there by by act, uh, work ongoing. Uh, so this is, we hope, a synergistic process um, and that all boats will rise higher. And I'll mention that I, I know that in the structure of all these work group task groups, there is now a task group for Farber Commercial. It's, it's, it's emergent, just started. Um, so I think... This is just a mention to everybody in the audience that it's something they can join and participate in, and um, it's still something that can be influenced in terms of what are the key topics to tackle, because I think we don't know what might occur once a lot of research starts to get initiated or what kind of barriers might come up because of commercial concerns or, or other IP issues. Um, and you know, maybe I'll ask Chris and Melissa how, how you envision the teams working with the other work groups. So one of the things that we've been so so the tasks and we have a we had a very quick uh, organizational structure to kind of get everybody organized once we realized this was the the way we needed to go, um, and so the task teams you know t uh, are formed and they can be sort of situated within an individual work stream like the clinical groups that are looking at particular clinical elements are situated in the clinical scenarios um, group of the collaborative, collaborative analytics. But some task teams are cross-cutting. So, for example, we have a task team that's focused on um, uh, data linkage and, and hashing strategies, and that really spans both, you know, 
some of the technological um, work streams as well as the governance work streams. So, so we, we recognize that, that, you know, there's a lot of need to kind of do some cross-cutting work. And I think for the pharma group, that's exactly where that group lays, is it's, it's really a cross-cutting group to help coordinate um, the needs of, of pharma and commercial interests, both in terms of governance, um, making sure that we are creating a, a kind of um, uh, a, a space for for uh, investigators from commercial entities that is welcoming and participatory, but also meets the specific needs of those commercial entities. And then, but then also in terms of the analytics, as I mentioned earlier, you know, really identifying the key partners in the thematic area. So really a lot, you know, really matchmaking, um, you know, a, a commercial partner with specific expertise, whether it be in machine learning and AI or in a particular clinical area, um, you know, such as acute kidney injury with the experts and um, analytics that are going on in those particular areas. So that we really kind of bring together um, a, a different suite of experts in different areas together to tackle common problems. And we know that no clinician can come in by themselves without the assistance of experts in machine learning and statistics and bioinformatics workflows. And similarly, no bioinformatician is going to come in and know the right clinical questions to ask. And so we feel that the pharma task team is really key to bring those those common interests um, in from commercial partners um, to help actually, you know, be that perspective um, uh, that where the, the expertise is in their particular commercial um, uh, uh, forte, but but really bring that to the different groups where that expertise is, is really very much needed. Well, well thanks so much for joining today. Um, I, I'd recommend everyone in the audience to just check out N3C if you can start participating at whatever level you're you're capable of within your organization and and spread the word that I think at least what I've heard this week which is really exciting um the data is open for business and if you can get through the organizational governance challenges it's time to start doing some research um I'll leave it to Melissa and Krista sort of ask them for any last words you'd want to share with the audience briefly um as a takeaway I guess well, I just oh, go ahead Chris you go first I was going to say N3C is, is an unprecedented activity in terms of its scope and magnitude and access to clinical data. And at some level, it's a social experiment, and we're quite excited about its its potential. Melissa? Yep, and I, I was going to say something similar, but I'll add, add to that, that um, the social experiment really needs to be by everyone for everyone. We want to have the cohort be as representative of all Americans as possible, and we want to have uh, as many Americans as want to participate, as well as others um, in the world, uh, uh, participate in the analysis of the data so that we can expedite um, the best possible care for, for COVID patients, identify uh, treatments and treatment strategies, and overall um, together reduce the, the impact of COVID. So it, it takes a village, and it's a new kind of village that's never been built before, and we're grateful for everyone's participation. Great. Well, well thanks so much for your time today, and, and, and looking forward to, to hearing more great things in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Speak to you soon.